Lovely. Thank you. Um, so my name's James. Um, I'm an addict and I'm also an adult child of alcoholics and dysfunctional families. Yeah, it's good to be here. Um, it's good to be asked to be of service. Um, you know, to share my, uh, just my experience, strength and hope of my journey. Um, I mean, I will say that fellowship in, in whatever form, you know, has given me what saved my life, has given me a life, and a life which um, I couldn't have imagined when I, was, um, when I was lost, literally lost in terms of addiction, but lost as a child as well, which I found out through ACA. So uh, I, I, for one, feel very blessed to be in a meeting, to be around a solution, to be around connection. Um, to be around my, my people, my tribe. And that's what I got when I walked into Cocaine Anonymous for me um, and consequently Adult Child uh, ACA, um, you know, the 12-step program. Um, it's a spiritual program. Um, and for me, you know, I had to get, I had to get, well, I'm going to use the word God, but it's my understanding of God for it's a short word. But I had to get God into my life. I had to get power greater than myself to, in order for me to live and then for me to then find out about myself. But I'll share in a general way you know, what it was like. And uh, this is a new experience, as I said. So it's the first time I'm actually sharing about my adult child stuff apart from uh, three-minute shares in meetings. Um, so um, I was born into a, well, so now, funny enough, it was a very dysfunctional, chaotic family. Um, Mum, dad and sister, that's my family. Um, my dad was a, is a, still an alcoholic, narcissist, gaslighting, all these words that I've, I've learned in recent years, but I didn't know at the time. Um, absent workaholic. Uh, my mum was an alcoholic. Um, the people pleaser um and um yeah here in ACA the, the, the rule was from a very young age don't trust don't speak um don't feel um and uh, I've moved about must be at least 40 times in my life because I started doing a list and I've done about 30 different jobs and I started when I was when I was when I was born I moved three times before the age of one apparently um, and then I was moving every year, pretty much, and that just carried on throughout my life. And my earliest childhood memories, I really struggle to, to, rem to remember my childhood memories. It's just, it's not there. But the me earliest memories I do have um, are a fear, or certainly around my dad. Uh, the earliest childhood memory I've got, probably around six or seven, is having to go into the family garden and knowing my dad was there. So I didn't even see him, but I was full of fear. Um, and um, sat outside my, my, my parents' bedroom door, probably when I was about seven or eight, with chicken pox all over my body, but too scared to knock on the door to, to get in their way or to annoy them, you know? And um, so um, you know, my dad just wasn't around. And um, I do know now from ACA that they just did their best. I know for a fact that, well, <laughs> say for a fact their, their truth which is heavily underlined with what is their truth because I found out that I don't know what the truth is I was just disorientated so I know I met my mum's grandparents or mum's parents a couple of times a weekend never, never met my, my dad's parents um, he just called his mum his mum a bitch and I met my mum's side the family's suffering mental illness and alcoholism so I guess no doubt I didn't have a chance um, in that respect. And um, so I just didn't, I just felt lost. I felt alone. 
Um, and the reason why I highlighted the fact that I only had mum, dad and sister is that's all I had. I had no connections with any of the adults, teachers. I was always moving around. I was always moving every year and so on. Um, I was always a new kid. Um, and the bedroom was my, was my safe space from a very young age. All I remember is just wanting to be in my bedroom because the chaos, the unpredictability, the, the noises coming from the floor, the, you know, where are we going to move next? What's going to happen? It was just on, you know. And uh, obviously as a child, I developed survival traits, which obviously I'll come to, um, to survive. And that was the truth. So I got to about 12 or 13, and by this time my dad had become a self-made multimillionaire in the 80s and dropped me up at boarding school because he just decided that I was going to boarding school. I went to a tough military school when I was 12. I got beaten up on the first night. And this is from a, this is a very sensitive, scared boy anyway. I was there for three years, then went to a, a, a quite a public school, um, quite a posh one with celebrities and stuff. So obviously I was, I was the poor kid. And basically, I, I just never fitted in wherever I went. I was just trying to keep up. I was just trying to... And, and it was just such hard work. And for me... When someone gave me, I mean, I, my dad spiked me. My first drink spiked me. I didn't want to. I didn't want to get involved in alcohol. As I saw what it, what it did. Um, not that he was physical and he pushed me around a bit, but it wasn't that. I just didn't. There was always drink around. It was just always around and still is. Um, and it was a New Year's Eve party, and he put the card in my coke all night, and I and I ended up being sick everywhere. And you know what? That was the proudest of my dad was of me. <laughs> I, I just saw a look in his eyes where I'd kind of become a man. I was being sick and I wanted to fry up the next day and that was kind of getting his approval. Um, so, yeah, so I'm not an alcoholic, but I'm an addict. I drink, I'll drink alcoholically. So, you know, with the big book of the 12 steps, I diagnosed myself. You know, you give me a drink, I won't have one, but, I, but push comes to shove, I can stop drinking. Uh, and I'm an addict, um, and someone gave me an ecstasy tablet when I was 17 in a club in Bournemouth, and I came up on it, and I realised how lost and alone and angry and everything that I thought I should feel did on this artificial substance. And the truth is I, I used them for 25 years, and that would be ecstasy. Uh, it led to cocaine, then crack cocaine, um, you know, uh, and all the consequences and damage. You know, I never built a career. I never had an ambition. Um, I'm finding out now that still being frozen somatically and in my body, I, uh, I was just too scared to make, make decisions for myself. And so everything I did was driven by, by cocaine and, and, uh, and crack cocaine. I'd go to work in my suit with a, with a crack bottle in my, in my pocket. I'll be smoking at lunchtime, thinking it, was, thinking it was okay. Didn't tell anybody, but thinking it was okay. You know, so deluded. And seeing people getting on with their lives and going to work and stuff and uh, washing cars on Sunday morning thinking they were sad. So I don't want to focus on the problem, but the reason why I'm sharing is identification, which is why we come here, a connection. Hopefully someone connects with something and so on. But my life was driven into the ground. I'm a gambling addict. I've tried everything to fix me. And this is the key. I tried everything. On my self-will and my power, I tried everything. And when I had that surrender which was just over seven years ago. And I was, what the book talks about, emotionally, spiritually, financially bankrupt. I was done. I was exhausted. I, I'd, I'd done my best in life and I'd given up and I truly surrendered from my deep innermost self. The game was up. And I wasn't working out anymore. It was here and I was done. And this is the beauty of 12-step fellowship. There's always a door open. And I walked into a CA meeting. I heard someone do the chair. I heard a message. 
basically being I could identify with this person and that they told me a way out which apparently is what the big book was going to be called before it was, it was on a 12th patent it would be the 13th patent and I was in because I had the gift of desperation I knew I couldn't deal with this life on my own terms I knew I was helpless powerless so I developed something which I've never had before willingness and humility I was, I was willing to learn and I did the steps I had the experience with the steps and I connected myself to a power greater than myself and and basically um, that journey um, was difficult um, but much easier than, than, than using and, it, and, it, and what it did is it got enough of me out of the way to begin to breathe and to begin to start learning a way of living a way of life um, and um, what what it because everything I've learned I've learned in these rooms the truth I haven't learned anything from my parents I've, well, I've, what I learned was dishonesty what I learned was you don't tell anybody anything you know um, don't trust anybody all that the stuff that I, I resonate with ACA which I'll come to in a minute but the, the point is for me is that I had to get sober I had to get clean and this was my opportunity and I've and I've treated it as as um, it's still and hopefully will always remain but certainly it's the most important thing I do in my life on a daily basis you know connecting to a power greater than myself um, learning to trust people and begin to you know, having a home group and by going to unity and being in meetings, it allowed me to suddenly start trusting people and begin to slowly open up. But over it, I, I, I just did what I was told pretty much in terms of the program for a good, a good three years. I was just, I had nothing else going on. <laughs> I, had no, I had no girlfriend, wife, kids, you know, I, I, you know I, I, I just did it. And I knew my life depended on that, I still do today, because I know my, my truth is what I will do if I'm not doing a spiritual program or running oneself. So, you know, I got a home group and I got, got heavily involved in service because I was told to do service. And you know what? What a gift, you know, to be free to, to do stuff for other people. And when I experienced doing that, I found the joys of doing that. I never really put my hand up for anything. I was kind of nudged by my sponsor or someone else would, would ask, would you do it? And then I would like, oh. But then when I did it, you know, I found the, I found the, um, the, the benefit in it. And uh, so service, unity, and then obviously recovery, which is the 12 steps of, of we use the big book. We use the, 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 um, the basic text of, of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I begin to realize that my problem's me. And I was in a position where I knew that. At that time, you know, the delusion, if you'd asked me a week before I got sober, I would still be pointing a finger at somebody or still saying, if I sort it out tomorrow, it'll be all right. After 25 years of using it, my life absolutely burnt around my feet. But God came into my life. I had, I had that surrender and, 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 you know, I'm under no illusion that everything I have today is because of that. And but what I found when I was going through so the first two or three years, I, I just got heavily involved. That's all I did. Um, but when I started getting to my sort of four and five, four and five years, not because it's four and five, but just that's just my experience. Four and five years. What I found was okay. So my 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 mum passed away now, but my I got sober. My parents were still alive, so I did my amends. Um, and I hated going home. I hated calling my mum, really. It would always be a guilt trip. Oh, you haven't called for ages? Okay, so what's going on? And tell us what's going on. And I'd come off the phone, and always, I'd be in tears, or I'd be upset. And sometimes I'd be with girlfriends, and they'd be like, all right. I said, 
No, and I knew my parents were normal parents. But the problem was they were so presentable. They were so good. Like, like, your dad's brilliant. He's full of fun. He has a drink with the boys. He's great. I'd be like, yeah, but... So I had a real sort of pull and push with that sort of stuff because I, I kind of, I felt it. That's, that's the key for me, actually. This is what I felt. And it couldn't translate in my, in my, in my family unit. You know, I knew something wasn't, wasn't right. And, and so God started bringing people into my life. It started talking about things like trauma and started talking about things more than sort of step process. Maybe you should look at that, James. And maybe, you know, someone's doing this. They might have mentioned ACA, but at the time, my head was just, no, big book, I'm just going to do this. That's fine. I don't need any more complications. I found this. This is my saviour. I wasn't. I've never been one to just tell anyone else what to do because this is a program about myself. I've had that humility where you can't make anyone else do this stuff and I have to do work on myself to grow. So, um, but I was, so when I was going home, each time I was going home, I was getting more sober and I was seeing the dilute, the, the, the chaos and everything when I was going home, the dramas, the gaslighting, as I said. Um, and I'd, I'd, I'd leave going home absolutely broken. I'd be like, like in tears, leaving the house. So I'd be crying in front of my parents and stuff. And I'd just justify away saying, it's just my recovery. It's just the way I am. But not blaming them. Nothing to, it's okay with them. I still had my, I still held them kind of in the steam, especially my dad. He was God for me. I just wanted to be my dad, which I find out now. I just wanted, I just wanted his love, but I never got. So I just wanted him to say, and you know what? A few years into sobriety, on a Sunday afternoon, watching Formula One, which he loves, he's drunk. He pauses the TV, turns to me and says, son, yeah, sorry I wasn't there for you when you were growing up, and then carried on watching the Formula One. What do I do with that? I said, thanks. Thanks, Dad. You know, uh, in, a, in not a sarcastic way, thanks, Dad, because that, for me, I know was huge for him. I'd begin to start getting some stuff going on with that. But it's not going to make you better. You know, I'm the one carrying this stuff around. So anyway, so I, people started, as I said, just mentioning things, and and they had, the, they had for me, they had, they had something extra than what, that fellowship was given me. So um, I went to a trauma workshop, which, and all this stuff happens at the time that's right for you. If you'd asked me six months earlier, I would have laughed at you. For trauma, get over yourself, whatever. But it just felt the right time. I went to this trauma workshop and it just opened my eyes to, it was like an experiential thing. So I did role plays with mum and dad and stuff. And and the lady who took it, is, it was a quite respected lady in the industry in trauma therapy and I've got friendly with her over the time since and that's a couple of years now and um, she said to me she said you know she had my story and stuff and she goes she's seen a lot of people but my, my complex PTSD and my developmental trauma is one of the, one of the worst she's heard in terms of attachment and um, all this sort of stuff and I was kind of in then and uh, she mentioned go to ACA and she goes to ACA and I said what's ACA and she was adult children alcoholics just try a meeting I said, yeah, I tried it, and, and, I, and I related, but it was still a few, I looked at my diary today, actually, because I would tell myself I got straight into it straight away, but I didn't. I went to it, I definitely related. I remember reading the launch with this and thinking, wow, this is definitely, this is definitely, this is definitely me. Am I ready to do this yet? And it's all about being ready and being in a place where I'm ready to process it and stuff. But by putting it into words, but at the time I didn't say that to myself, but I was just like, hmm, you know, it's denial. Denial is huge. It's huge. I wouldn't have told you that was going on at the time. I just thought I've got other stuff going on in recovery. Anyway, so in November, so 18 months ago, um, 
Well, actually, I went to do ACA. A, a really significant part of my journey happened, actually. So I met a woman who, um, in recovery, funny enough, she'd actually been, been on the trauma workshop, I, but we didn't know that when we got together. And um, she's trauma-informed and chatting, and I wanted to come down and meet my parents. We met up on a Saturday morning when we were going to go down to see my parents. And I had what was normal for me, which turned out to be a trauma response. I was just... And she looked at me, and she said, Oh, my God. Said you okay? And I, I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And she just like she said something to me, which for me, just let let that go. And she said, you don't have to do this. You don't have to go home. And the relief at that time, I thought, I don't have to go home. And it's probably a mixture of things being validated from someone telling me this, for me feeling it, recognizing it, whatever. But the relief. I called home and made apologies, and it's all about me, and I was selfish, and all the rest of it, and usual, usual palaver. But that was the change, and I went into ACA, and I, I got involved. And uh, I, I've been to regular meetings. Um, within a few weeks, I got a fellow traveller for someone I heard on a, on, a, on a meeting I related to. Um, my intuition told me, you know, I, I reach out to him. And we've been, we speak every day, every Tuesday for the last year and a half, and we've gone for the yellow workbook together. And it's been amazing. He hasn't done the steps before in ACA. He's not an addict. He's not an alcoholic. He had a spiritual crisis about 20 years ago. And it's a spiritual path. But he, he's got stuff coming on with his family. And, you know, he's one of my tribe, I call them. You know, there's two or three. Like that girl, Mel, the woman I told you about, who's been, been a supporter, say supporter. She knows that she's had her own trauma experience. But I can talk to her. I can talk to this guy called Paul. But also I do the steps. And I realized that all this stuff is denial. And I had to be ready to, to do the work. And um, I'm conscious of the time, you know, in terms of got just a few minutes left. But what, you know, it's given me so much freedom, obviously, to move out from the past, denial. I don't regret the past. Um, it's happened, but I take responsibility for my own actions. So I, a big step for me was to cut my parents out. Um, and it was a boundary, which was so hard for me to do, but it was the right thing to do. And I did it with support. And they and I get an abusive alcoholic email from my dad every now and again, whatever, because I'm letting them down. But I have to do it. I, did, I, went, I left it in love, but they didn't see it that way. And my growth really started from there, 18 months. And um, I managed that boundary well. So it enabled me to sort of have that space to, to grow and to, and to, and to um, yeah, to, to grow and to begin to find out about myself and to... And ACA fellows, the depth of the conversations I have, we always go for coffee after meals. Just that, that, that related on a deeper level to uh, my other fellowship, I really value. Um, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm certainly very grateful to be involved in both both fellowships. I do feel my journey is just, just beginning. Uh, for me, I can really feel the energy. Two the minutes, uh, two minutes, heads up, James. Thank you. Um, which is the somatic work, which I've done a few somatic sessions with with, with someone and I, I regressed to that eight-year-old boy trapped in his bedroom and my body straight away. And the truth is, now I can kind of done a bit of that, I can feel it. And my eyes go, my chest, and I have this hole and my, and my body shrinks over and I can see it somatically, how it affects me. And so my triggers are relationships are people. <laughs> you know, so it doesn't take much sometimes which trigger. I find it very hard to get into intimate relationships. Um, which is what I crave. I just crave that, but I, I still know at the time I'm not ready. I've got work to do. It wouldn't, it's not fair on that other person. And um, 
but this is the hope. This is this is this is my my life goal um, to to recover my true self. You know that pure that pureness and to to live a life um, not dominated by um, dysfunction or, or trauma. And ACA is, is a vehicle for that. I still do CA. That's still part of my um, my, my recovery. Um, I take it a day at a time. I try to get too ahead of myself. Um, I turn up when I'm asked to be of service, um, and I continue to grow. Um, so I, I do hope um, you know there was some, maybe some connections there for some people. And I've just touched on a few things for some people there because um, this is how this works. I sit in meetings. I have people share and share back, and I think someone touched on that either in the reading when they first started this meeting. Is that I'm not alone anymore. I was alone. I felt alone. I was alone. I was a lost child. Um, and I'm not there anymore. And uh, for that, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful. So I'll leave it there. Thank you.